Hello and welcome to Power Up and Game. My name is Taylor and I'm going to be your host today. Joining me is not Michael Mosley, the usual host of this program. Instead, it is from the Lombok Hunters and from Nerd Stop Movies, Mr. Drew Garrison. Drew, what is this? Some kind of crossover episode? Uh, you know, it's kind of like we've uh, jumped multiverses. We've gone into the Spider-Verse. Oh, I see what you did there. This isn't a Spider-Verse game, but you know what? That's very appropriate. Uh, we're going to be doing a Spider-Man 2 deep dive discussion. The way we're going to kind of do this is because this game is so focused on story and it's just the progression of the story and the characters. We will be talking spoilers. But we're not going to be talking spoilers till like 20-ish minutes from now. We want to talk about all the gameplay, the traversal, stuff like that first. So we'll do that. Then we'll give you guys a quick warning. And then we'll get into the spoilers for the story, what we thought of it, the characters, all that jazz. Now, Drew, you are not usually on this show. You are usually on the movie and TV uh, podcast there. Movie TVs and comics, so this is new. Yeah, this is your first, I think, episode on Power Up and Game. So tell the listeners real quick a bit about yourself. Why are you Why are you on this particular episode, basically? Because I am a Spider-Man super fan, and nobody can stop me. <laughs> but uh, I I have been a comic book fan for more more of my life than I think ever. Uh, and Spider-Man is, of course, one of the greats. He's one of my favorites. And I am just, he, I just wanted to really enjoy Spider-Man 2. And like when Taylor said, hey, there's an opening, I was like, hey, I'd love to talk about this game. It's like, sign me up. So here I am, ready to talk about Spider-Man 2. In fact, so excited that I'm having a hard time just not about to burst out into stuff I love about the game. But let's go ahead and get into it, Drew. Gameplay-wise, this is the best Spider-Man game I've ever played. The combat's <laughs> better. The traversal's better. I love how... And this is very, very, very minor spoilers. And this isn't getting into all that. But I love how like when you're in the combat, like free roam combat and the crimes and all that, it, let's say you're playing as Miles. You can come across Peter. Yeah, I love that. Then afterwards, you can interact and you do the Spider-Man point meme, a handshake, like it's just and the bro hug. Yeah, like it just really makes that camaraderie feel alive there. And we'll get into some other stuff later when we get into spoilers. But it's small stuff like that. It's stuff like the web wings, right? To where the first game was like, oh yeah, so fun to swing around, but all the fast travel, like. Okay, whatever, like, you have to go around to these little districts and set up the Dark Knight surveillance, <laughs> whatever that was, <laughs> which is a little weird for a Spider-Man game, so I'm glad they took that away for part two. It would be weird if he had to pull up that uh, entire network again. <laughs> yeah, right? But there's fast travel in this game as well, but the reason I'm bringing this up to you is... I don't feel like it's ever necessary because of the web wings and because of the swinging is just so fun. Like it's, you will spend 30 minutes sometimes just 
traveling around the city. You like you'll find yourself like I want to do the main story, and then thirty minutes later you're just picking up stuff like collectibles just because it's so fun to go around the city and the web wings and the web swing. Yeah, uh, I have to agree. I only used fast travel twice, and it was om- and it was ironically um, during one of my. Uh, YouTube scrolls when I wasn't able to play the game, like on like uh on like the uh bus ride back to uh, my house. It's like I was just scrolling through, and then I saw the fast travel system on a on a YouTube short, and I was like, wait, 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 wait a minute. And I just like really enjoyed how like not only can you fast travel anywhere in the city, but they do it to where it's like, oh, you're going to zoom in on that nice looking map we got. And then you're going to like just be there swinging with your character or gliding and just like ha- and just like you're there. You're there. It's like I get you don't have to use the fast travel. And I understand that. But it's like it was so nice to be able to do that. Yeah, it's seamless. Yeah. How do you feel about the combat? Honestly, I do feel like it's better than the first game. However, and I need to say this, I miss so much stuff from the first game. Oh, man. Like, the suit powers were one of the things I liked the most because you could go into combat with very different strategies and everything. It's yeah. like, I miss, the su- I miss the suit powers. But the new powers are still really freaking awesome. Yeah, there's there's benefits and cons to the way the system works in Marvel Spider-Man 2 compared to the first one. In the first one, there was the whole gadget wheel, right? And you had the suit powers. And it all, like, strangely enough, felt pretty simple. And the second one, and I think this is kind of due to Miles' abilities. They really felt the need, justifiably so, mind you. But they felt the need to be like, all right, we can't do the same thing again. We gotta, we gotta beef up not only Miles, we gotta beef up Peter too. So both of them had their own advantages, and I really feel like they nailed it because Miles, I really struggled in the Miles Morales game sometimes with his combat, just because they threw so much. Like, oh no, now you can turn invisible. Here you had the Venom Punch, and you have these electric powers and stuff. And I'm like, man. I don't know, this feels a little weird. Like, I'm not used to this in Spider-Man game. And in Spider-Man 2, I felt like it was just more natural because of the way the system works. And with Peter, you have some spoilerish abilities, and you also had the, uh, what are they called? The, uh, the Doc Ock spider legs. Uh, the, uh, I, in the comics, we call them wing digs. Well, that works too. (laughs) So, how'd you feel about those abilities? I know you said like you did really like the first game's uh, gameplay, but I really do like the abilities. I like that they don't give you too much with them at first. I think the only thing that um, the only thing that I miss is that the spider legs do feel kind of like an afterthought. Like they were so focused on the venom stuff. That the spider legs are kind of an afterthought. But they are still really, really cool. And I am so glad that they are using Peter's intelligence to let him, like, supplement the fact that he doesn't have Miles' powers and everything. It's It really shows what makes them different and unique. Peter is the science guy. He's going to be able to do robotics and make 
chemicals and stuff, while Miles is more of, like, while he's still pretty intelligent, he's more of a music guy, and he has unique powers to help supplement uh, that fact that he's not as smart as Peter. Yeah, I think the other thing, too, about, like, the way their abilities really track out, earlier I said, like, oh, spoilers. Yeah, not really, because it's in the gameplay demo. Yeah, you had the symbiote powers at the point in the game, and the symbiote powers are amazing. I love like the the you like click right uh right on the right joystick, you have this like rage mode. How also your abilities, regardless of your as Peter or Miles, it kind of feels a little fluid when it comes to the boss fights. I feel like sometimes in boss fights where you're fighting somebody and you use like an ability that'll work on a random thug or something, and I'll be like, Oh yeah, that works, it's awesome. Then when you're fighting against the boss, it has no effect. It just takes their da- like their damage or their health goes a little bit down, right? Yeah. In Spider-Man 2, I found myself in a certain boss battle just going like, oh, I'm using a symbiote suit to like slam the boss down. And I'm grabbing the boss's head and just slamming him down. And there's an animation for that. And it's it's small stuff like that that I think really sets this game apart for me. And why I think it is, at the end of the day, I think this is a game of the year contender. Yeah. The ability to use your abilities in on the boss and they still have an effect is really cool. Because a lot of times, the game will give you abilities that are far too strong and will make the boss easy. It's like, nope, we're still going to make this boss pretty hard. But we're going to like oh, let yeah. you keep everything we've got. Yeah, and again, it's not just, I, I think bare minimum is what I was talking about, right? Where, oh yeah, the health will go down a little bit, but there's no animation for it. It looks a little wonky. How did you feel about the traversal, though? Because you didn't really fully get into that. You were mainly talking about fast travel. Oh yeah, the traversal is pretty good. Like, the, I knew like they were going to add extra animations. I didn't realize how they were going to like change those subtle animations to make both Peter and Miles look like they are more developed from their previous games. And it's real. It's really good. Like for one thing you have, uh, you take some of the improvements that they made with the Miles Morales title. And then you give that to both of the spiders where they both use their unique abilities to, uh, be able to traverse. Then there are the wind tunnels that you can use with the web wings in order to, uh, fly around. Like, I basically called Spy- both of the Spider-Men super spiders. <laughs> it's like, what's in the sky? It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's a spider. Run! <laughs> Insomniac is so good at making <laughs> video games that they're like, you know, making a Spider-Man game is just too easy for us. How about we try also making a Superman game? We'll just have him fly as well. <laughs> and we'll just have it be gliding. I can't wait to see what they do with the Wolverine game where it's like, oh, like he's going to use his claws and like jump on a plane or something to tra- to travel. It's going to be so good. Yeah. And the other thing with the web wings, it's like I was saying, right? It's probably my favorite part of this game because it just, it's seamless. Like, okay, you see an air tunnel you can go through, go into it. You want to get out of it, get out of it. And then you go right back to swinging. And as a, I love, I saw a meme on the, I think it was the Spider-Man subreddit, how it was like a Ron Swanson going to like a Home Depot and it was uh, plastered over Ron Swanson's face. It was Batman Arkham veterans. And then the young Home Depot employee, it was like Spider-Man 2 trying to tell you how to glide. 
And Ron Swanson just goes, you are giving me no, or I know more than you. <laughs> and he just walks off. Because <laughs> that's how I felt the whole time. I was like, I don't need your help, Spider-Man 2. I know why you're telling me this, but I played Batman Arkham. I know exactly what this is. I know how to glide through all this. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really did feel like the Arkham games in that sense to me, but also just faster and more fluid. Like that's the thing I'll also give this game is it doesn't want to waste your time. Yeah, I also do. Got, I also do got to say for all the Arkham veterans is like please remember that when um, Arkham City came out and gliding became much more prevalent and everything. Many people talked about how the grappling hook felt like more of a Spider-Man thing. Yeah. So it's <laughs> like, it true. all comes full circle. It does. And that's the other thing, too, is like Insomniac was clearly, I think, inspired by the Arkham franchise with the first game. And it just goes to show, like, this genre, like, when you look at the movie franchise, we were talking about that before we started recording, we were talking about the MCU, because at the time of this recording, there was a Variety article that just came out about the MCU. We were just talking about the movies and all that. And I think you can yep, argue yep. that, you know, there's a lot of superhero movies out there for better or worse. And you look at the video game industry though and you're like, man, there's so much to go in this in this field. Like we feel at least me, I feel like we're just scratching the surface of what superhero video games can be. And yeah, you'll have your Marvel's Avengers but you also have Guardians of the Galaxy. You'll have Marvel Spider-Man and you have this game. Like you can you can see the future of superhero video games and it's so bright and I think we'd need to give Rocksteady a lot of credit for that cuz they were the pioneers, I believe. Mm, that is true. Rocksteady is like the pioneers and they really do and they really did show off what um superhero um games can be. I feel like also it's weird that we don't have more superhero games because it feels like a lot of games try to give you that superhero-esque feel and just we just don't use it for like the main heroes that we've got. Like, honestly, I have been cl I've been clamoring for like different superheroes to have video games. Like, I feel like Green Lantern could be have a cool video game, not a movie tie-in mm -hmm. game like they tried to do with Ryan Reynolds. Or like... um. Uh, Thor, he could have a really cool video game, like going through Norse mythology as Thor and everything, dealing with like all the stuff from the comic books and everything. Like, freaking Ragnarok on its own could be its own video game, and God of War got to it before Marvel did. How did they do that? Well, speaking of that, I know a lot of people give Marvel's Avengers a lot of crap. I get it 100%, but I do like the story of that game. And of all the gameplay for the heroes, I found Thor to be one of the most fun. And it's because of the way they were trying to go for that Kratos with his axe, the Leviathan axe with Mjolnir and Thor. Like, there's a lot of fun to be had with the gameplay there, you know? And I, I think you're 100% right. And yeah, we're going to be getting some more superhero games, of course, uh, from Insomniac. And from elsewhere, the Black Panther Captain America game, the I think they're making just a Black Panther game. Yeah, that is that is honestly like a combination I did not expect. But technically, Black Panther and Cap met in World War II. Technically, that was T'Challa's father. I think it's grandfather now yeah, because of the it, sliding time scale. 
Yeah, it's supposed to be, I think, the grandfather of T'Challa and Captain America. And I think that's Amy Hennig's game, if I remember right. There's the Black Panther game that they're making. EA is making an Iron Man game. So we're getting some superhero games. Whether or not all of those are going to be good remains to be seen. I will say I have so much faith in Amy, Amy Hennig to make something great. So I trust her there. EA, not so much. But getting back to Spider-Man 2. Hold on, hold on. I do got to say I am I am very worried about like an Iron, an Iron Man game made by EA. It's like, look... Yeah. I get, I get. EA wants to be as rich as Tony Stark, but the players aren't that rich. So please, no microtransactions. <laughs> the players aren't that rich. But getting back to Spider-Man Two, the combat. Just to talk about that a little more, I love it. And to kind of compare it to Arkham again, around Arkham City, Arkham Knight. Oh, well, I don't want to say Arkham Knight, but about Arkham Origins. I started to get like really used to the way the combat works in that franchise. And I'm at that point with Spider-Man now. Whereas I just had the fluid movement to where like, okay, I don't have to just button press over and over and over. I know I got like, oh, I punch an enemy here. Take a second, do another punch. I know how this enemy is going to react. I'm going to web strike him. I'm able to pull off like actual moves now. And I don't know, there's something about, like, the variety in combat there. Whereas I can just web up somebody to a wall, I can pull something down to knock out another enemy. Then you use your gadgets, your abilities to take out others. It's just, there's a great variety of not only enemies in this game, but just the way you can take them down. I also feel like that from the from the jump, you feel like that you're not playing an incomplete character. I think that many video games have that problem. Or they scale the hero back, right? Yeah. Or they, like, depower them because, oh, no, you're at the beginning of a game. Yeah, it's like, oh, no, 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 You are, like, you are a powerful Spider-Man and everything, but you still need to, like, increase... You, you still need to, like, increase yourself here. It's like you're feeling like you're getting stronger with the characters, and that makes sense for um, Peter especially since he's getting the Venom symbiote. Yeah, they absolutely... Nailed. I I said that earlier, but man, they just nailed it. I can't wait to talk about it. Um, to talk very generally and without any spoilers, how did you feel about these story? Okay, if you guys haven't played the other Spider-Man video games, ironically, you are fine. You are fine to play this game and go through through its story. A hmm. lot of stuff is a lot of stuff is brought up, but it's also like very well said to where it's like, oh, so this must have happened in the first game, or this might have been alluded to in the first game. There's also a previously on that I think is amazing, pun intended, by the way. It's done in a very fun way for Peter and Miles to just show like the way the relationship is, and also just recapping both games. Yeah, it. I I wish I could say anything on that, but I was so eager to start the game that I didn't watch it because I knew both stories. Oh man, you definitely should check it out on YouTube. It's good. It's not like it's the best <laughs> part of the game or anything. That'd be weird. It's just like a fun opening, and I you can tell they didn't just go. All right, let's just do it previously on that people just had to read out. They actually creatively came up with a cool idea. Um. 
for me, I think those are one of the best Spider-Man stories I've seen. Now, yeah, that's probably controversial. Seeing what I've seen on Reddit, it seems like people are going back and forth whether or not they prefer the first game story or this one. It's still up there. Yeah, it's still up there. Both are so good, so good. But for me, I think what like separates it is I got done playing Marvel Spider-Man Two, and I was like, man. I loved it. The combat so much better, gameplay so much better, traversal better. The story, I think the first one has it barely beat, but it was pretty close. But the first game slightly better in the story department. However, over the course of the next few days, I kept thinking about this game story. And the more and more I thought about it, the more and more I loved it. So I find myself now going like, nah, this is for real one of the best Spider-Man stories I've seen. It's so expertly told. You know how hard it is. And I know other Spider-Man games have done it and succeeded. But it is really hard to tell a story with two Spider-Men as the main character. Shattered Dimensions. (coughs) Yeah, Shattered Dimensions did it very well. But I think this game does as well. Um, It... To have Miles and Peter's stories, though, not only like you give them stories and they're the main characters. For me, I think their character arcs and their stories just intersect in ways that you really would expect and not expect. And some things aren't like there's some things in the story that just aren't fully told to you. They don't hold your hand with it, but it's there. I think it's told well enough to where it's basically Insomniac going like. Hey, we trust your intelligence to put two and two together of how Miles is feeling at this point in time in the story or how Peter is feeling at this point in the time in the story. We don't need a character to call up and make you like go, oh, so that's how he feels, you know? Yeah. I also do like the fact that when, um, like with most of the, most of the time with, uh, with uh, trying to juggle two protagonists, it really gets it really gets hard to like not like center one more than the other. They really do keep Miles in the focus for the most of it. Like this is still Peter's game, if I'm being honest. Like it's his story mostly. But Miles is so integral to it that he does feel like a second protagonist, even if he's not the main protagonist. If that makes sense. Like I feel like I feel no, like Peter does. does come a little bit before but it still feels like yeah this is a game where both characters are both characters get to shine both characters are dealing with stuff they're both dealing with um the struggles of being spider-man and it even it even shows one of the things i really have always wanted in us in a spidey content everything is like if there are other heroes let spidey take a break so that way he can get some of his life together or fix a problem in his life while the other character like gets to be the hero for a bit and they do it it's like both miles and peter both get breaks while the other goes and be spider-man for that day yeah they'll mention in calls like hey i'm gonna take a quick break you got it and yeah it's something as small as that really that really shows like the trust they have in one another because both another thing i really loved and this is still not spoiler heavy here we're not getting into it yet i love how committed miles is to it and you kind of see that in miles morales it's him becoming his own spider-man in that game but in this game it shows like 
I don't, you know, I'm, I'm going to save it because it gets into a little of his character arc and spoilers there. Yeah, I was about to say, are you about to go into spoilers? Because it's like, I want to talk spoilers. The last thing I want to say before we get into spoilers, though, briefly, very briefly, just give our thoughts on the villains. I thought they nailed Craven and Venom. It's not the typical take that you'll get from both characters, I think. It might not, it, but it feels unique and it fits their characters to me yeah i have i have to i have to agree i also feel i also do like uh the villains that we get like i'm pretty like venom was literally in the commercial so he's not a spoiler yeah venom and craven are the only two i want to talk about just because they're the main two and those are the ones that are uh always in the marketing yeah so create so craven love this version of craven Love what they do with him. This is like so close to Craven's last hunt, and it does a really good job of adapting it without trying to like do it beat for beat. It like it gives its own unique spin on it. Uh, with Venom, ooh, okay. So Venom comes second to me. Like I like what they try to do with him. I don't think they fully executed it perfectly, but it's still amazing. I know, like, I'm, I've just offended a ton of people, <laughs> but that well, is my I think it goes to show how good it is to where you're like, I still think they left a little meat on the bone, but it was still amazing. <laughs> it's, I think you'd rather it be that way, though, than, oh, God, it was a lot, all right? It was a lot of, it was a lot of what you don't really, or what you loved, but it kind of overdid it, you know? Yeah. Like and some of it did feel a little fast. Now that maybe because and I and I need to say maybe it maybe because I finished a lot of the side quests really fast because of how quick how much I kept stopping. And it's like oh look at this some piece of a side quest and like been able to do it as I traverse through New York trying to get to the next main story quest. Yeah, it's about a, what twenty twenty five hour game. Yeah, like. It's shorter than the first game, which I appreciate because I did remember, like, when playing the first Spider-Man, when I felt like, oh, the game's over. It's like, wait, 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 wait. We're going into this now? Couldn't you say this for the next game? I will say, I think the game needed one to two more hours. That's it. That's absolutely it. I felt like I would rather it be this way than the games that are like, all right, we're meeting the natural conclusion of what this story is going for. And then there's like five more hours left, and by the end of it, you're just, oh man, can we can we be done? Like I I have a buddy who played God of War Ragnarok, and that was his feelings on Ragnarok. He said it was a really good game, but I prefer the first one because he just thought the second one just dragged on. Like the story did not fully, like he thought it was going to be over, and he thought it was naturally coming to an end, but it just was not. It had so much left. So that's I'd rather it be the way it was in this game to where it's, yeah, I think you could have used about two more hours, but I'd rather it be that way than, oh, shit, this is just, it's kind of ruining the main story here. Yeah, it, I will agree with that because the original game definitely took a little bit too long, but this, but this game really does know how to like keep the pacing going. I agree with you. I feel like it needed more time. I honestly was waiting for a specific moment that I'll talk about when we get to spoilers that I thought was going to be a part of the a part of the game. Was it with Craven? Yes. 
I think I I thought the same thing. I think we're on the same wavelength here. We're about to get into spoilers. So uh we're gonna give about five seconds and then I'm gonna blurt out what I think Drew was talking about. And starting or after these five seconds we're gonna go into full spoilers, people. So long story short, if you are on the fence about getting Marvel Spider Man two, I Drew, I think you can co sign with me on this. I think it's a game of the year contender. Play it. It's an amazing game. It's worth the $70, in my opinion. I think it is a just well-constructed game by Insomniac, and I cannot wait to see what they do with the Wolverine game. Yeah, and technically, they still have DLC coming out, and they say some of it, not all of it, some of it is going to be free, so... Hmm. You never know. So that's our recommendation on it. We talked about everything else, gameplay. We're about to fully get into story spoilers. Probably going to be the chunk of the podcast, to be honest with you, because there's so much to talk about. So we're going to give five seconds of awkward silence, then we're going to get right into spoilers, starting now. Five, four, three, two, one, time. So, Drew, you were talking about Peter getting buried alive, weren't you? Yes. Yes, yep. yes, I yes, yes, so yes, too. yes, yes. And I'll tell you exactly why. Because they go to a fucking church in the middle of the night where Craven's supposed to be. And I'm like, oh, they're gonna fucking do it. Oh, he's in the symbiote suit. Dude, they're gonna have Craven beat Peter and bury him alive. It's gonna be amazing. And for some reason, they just don't do it. And I'm like, man, that might be... I, I give this story a lot of credit, and I, I said it in the non-spoiler section. One of the best Spider-Man stories. That might be the biggest missed opportunity. Yeah, it's like it's like I it's like a part of me gets why they didn't do it, but at the same time, I feel as though when Craven sees that um, that Spidey is still holding back, and with the need to push Pete over the edge to let the symbiote's anger overtake him, being buried alive. Not only would that be a great callback to Last Hunt, which this game is taking from, but it would also be like super amazing, super amazing to show like how Craven is trying to break Pete. He's like, "Oh, you're still ho- you're still holding back. Well, now I've got you. I've got you buried alive. You're in- nobody's gonna know where you are. You might you might either die in here or miss swaths of your life. And then it's like Peter might be buried alive for less time than he was in the comic, like maybe for like a day or two." But eventually he breaks out fully, fully um, embracing the symbiote. And that's when we get Peter at his worst. It's like, it, it, it'd, be, it'd be so perfect. And not only that, Drew, I think I can settle this for the very simple sentence. It would just be really fucking cool. Yes, it would. <laughs> like, come on now. But to get into just more spoiler-filled thoughts on our, how we felt about the story here, the tagline of this game, and this goes back to me thinking about the game more and more, I love the tagline of this game. Because this is the whole point. And I think the people who are going, and this is just from what I've seen on Reddit, there's a lot of people going like, oh, I think they kind of depowered Peter a little bit in this game, and Miles got a whole lot to do. I'm not saying you're missing the point. Because it's just everybody's opinion, right? It's everybody's honest opinion of how you felt about the story. But for me, what I took from this story is the tagline, be greater together. Like, that's exactly the moral of the story for both Peter and Miles. They yeah. make each other, like the whole, there's one point in the story 
where Miles' whole arc is basically, I want to be a better Spider-Man for my family, for Peter. Peter wants to be a better Spider-Man for his family and for Miles. And it that's kind of the point is they both go on this arc to where they're like, we got, I got to do it alone. I got to do, like, I got to be a better Spider-Man on my own. And the moral of the story, and we see it, especially at the very end, it's not about just one Spider-Man. It's both of them making each other not just better Spider-Man, but better people. And it's fucking great. It's beautiful, to be honest with you. I really don't know how to follow that up because that is like it, it, you you got it all in one. It is like a perfect what is like a perfect uh, culmination of the tagline of their story. It's like be greater together. It's so good. Now, granted, the end of it's like Peter going, ah, "I'm gonna retire for a bit. You can be Spider Man," but I think it's it's so earned because Miles goes like, "Nah, man, I got it for now. When I need you, I'll call you," and it's reciprocated there it's like yeah you will like i don't need to be involved in day-to-day right now i got a life that i have to get together i've never because the thing is everybody goes oh peter's only 23 in the game store but he's been spider-man for a long time and at the beginning of the game genki even mentions dang miles it must suck being spider-man you can't really keep a job like it must be so hard to live a life and miles is basically looking at a future version of himself and how yeah. can he avoid that? And it's so, it's one of those things that's like, it's so hard to balance between work and being Spider Man and all that stuff. And it felt like Miles was learning how to avoid Peter's mistakes and become his own man in the process. And Peter basically being like, you know what? I need to stop making these mistakes. And I need to focus on my life with MJ. I need to focus on actually healing the world like he does at the end of the game. It's just, it's a beautiful story with these two characters, man. I agree. And I also feel, I also feel like, um, with my, with miles and everything, one of his biggest problems was like, he didn't know how to process all the stress he was feeling. He didn't know how to talk about him, talk about himself. And ironically, it's through, Peter's um, withdrawal when he has the symbiote and everything from Miles and everything that Miles starts realizing things about himself. But also it like it also shows the differences of Peter and Miles' struggle. With Peter, it was always the responsibility of being Spider-Man. With Miles, he was sort of running into Spider-Man. It's just it's beautifully built up, and it's the thing where and what I was talking about earlier that like they don't have to hold your hand. Miles is jealousy. Yeah. Because it really feels like throughout the course of the story that Harry comes back and it's the thing where the older brother's best friend comes home and the older brother doesn't have time for the little brother anymore. You don't have to have your hand held to be like, so this is how Miles feeling about it. You know, you just get like stuff like, oh, Peter's not returning my calls. And then there's the part with the symbiote to where... Peter's like, I'm doing this to be a better Spider-Man. Miles goes, you're not even returning my calls anymore, man. Yeah, it's it's so it's so good to see like the different problems that both are having at the moment, and how it's all and how it all leads up to the final act where they have where they not only are overcoming those problems, but they're also trusting each other more and everything. 
And it shows like how they've grown together. I also love the fact that when um when Peter is starting to go crazy with the symbiote and everything, Miles trusts MJ enough to be able to try and bring Peter back. It's like he's still a bit scared, but he still trusts her. And it shows just how close they all have gotten in between games. It's so good. Yeah, it really is. And really fits Peter's character to me. For everything he goes through. And to talk about the quote-unquote depowering. Man, you look at the course of what the first game did to Peter. And what the course of this game does to Peter. This is a guy who has supposedly been Spider-Man for, I think they said it in the first game, eight years. And it's about a year and a half from the first game to the second game. So about nine It's almost a decade. Years, almost a decade of being Spider-Man. And for most of the time, you're the only guy doing stuff. And you had to live a life. And man, it's so stressful. You lost your aunt. You lost your uncle. How many friends did you lose along the way? How many villains did you see that could have been saved that weren't? Like, man, you think about like what that would do to a person's psyche. It's bad. So when he gets the symbiote, it's one of those things that all of those negative emotions that come bubbling to the surface. And to quickly talk about Venom, we'll get into it later. But <laughs> I love how with Harry getting the Agent Venom suit at the beginning, and it's seeming like, oh, it's fine. Like there's nothing wrong with the symbiote right now. Why, why did it like grow attached to Peter? Why, why did it become Venom after Peter? Because Peter's the one who infected Venom, I think. I think that's like what they were trying to go for. I think Peter's emotions, his his repressed anger, because the thing is, is there's this thing whenever he gets the black suit, he always goes to, he's about to kill a villain and he doesn't. There's that small part in Peter that thinks, maybe if I just killed my villains, this would all stop. And it's stuff like that and all the repressed anger and him not processing the grief he had with Aunt May that got attached to Venom. And that's why Venom comes out, I think. It's the hatred that he has towards Peter. Because Venom is like a baby, honestly, in this game to me. And then you see what Venom becomes at the end. So so I actually had a different interpretation uh, cause from what it, cause remember that Peter didn't really infect Venom with its, when his, uh, anger and everything, I always thought like, it was like taking a bit from the comics where Venom felt Peter was the perfect symbiote host. We also have that Doc Connors admits that Venom has always been a bit, uh, like has always been a bit angry and everything and he didn't fully understand it. So mm-hmm. I thought like me, so I thought like maybe what was going on is like Venom was like attaching himself to Peter and when he attaches himself to Peter it's like he gets those um he gets those emotions and everything that Peter keeps deep down inside of him and Venom seeing Peter get hurt and like feel hurt and everything and he's just like oh I feel like we can, I feel like um you could do better. Like he takes Peter's small little inkling in his mind. It's like, you could do better if you stop holding back. That is Venom's whole thing to a T. It's like he gets Harry to be better by like, not really be better, but you know, be stronger by stop holding back and everything. And Venom also saw his own agenda. Like that whole um, take over the world thing was not Harry's vision. 
See, that's the thing, though. I think you and I, like, if we combine the interpretations, that's kind of what I think that Insomniac was probably going for. Because I think in Venom's twisted mind, because it's picking up on what it perceives, like, oh, Harry and Peter want to save the world. At one point when Venom's fighting Craven, he goes, you hurt our friends. So it still considers Peter and MJ and Miles to be friends. It's just, in its twisted mind, it thinks, oh, to heal the world, I just, it needs to be part of me, you know? Hmm. And that's why I made the baby comparison, right? Because I think, like, kids, they pick up on what their parents do. And they pick up traits, they pick up phrases, words. And for Venom, that's what I think it did. It picked up on the set, heal the world. And it also picked up on the way Peter was feeling, how Harry was feeling when he got the symbiote back. And that's the thing that I think Venom was at the end, is it wasn't like just bad guy take over the world. I thought, what I interpreted it as at least, was Venom genuinely thought that was the way to do it because he just doesn't know any better. I guess there are different ways to interpret it. It's like... Ju- like if it was if it was the fact that Venom was like born during the crash, then I could understand it. But it felt like like they were taking from his uh his uh King and Black story tie-ins and everything, where he's like this ancient symbiote technically. So it's like eh, it's like I I understand your view, I understand your viewpoint, and I like it. I just like don't know if that's what they were going for. So I feel like it's up to interpretation. Yeah. Either way, I find it interesting. Yeah, it's like it's very interesting to talk and think about, and it makes it really, really cool. While we're on the subject of Venom, I'm just going to let you go off on this, because I know you're going to have a lot to say. I'm just going to blurt my thoughts out there. Getting to play as Venom for a good five to ten minutes is one of the coolest parts of this game, if not the coolest part of the game. Yes! Oh my god! Oh my god! When you are playing as Venom, you get that whole section to play as him. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Is Venom playable? It's like, are we going to get more of this? Dude, I hit start right afterwards. I was alone. I hit start, and I was like, this game's so fucking awesome. I'm so glad nobody's here, because I, I just made like noises like, oh my god, I can play with Venom. And you're, it's full on. Like, this section, if you were like, oh man, Insomniac, I hope that they can make a Wolverine game. It needs to be gory. Don't miss out on the brutality. This Venom section was basically made from Insomniac to be like, guys, guys, what are what are we talking about here? We got this. Chill out, all right? Especially with the ending of the Venom segment. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Boy. It was just so fucking cool, man. And it, it, I love the pan, the turnaround, right? Because you go as Peter when the whole when Harry first transforms into Venom. And then the camera turns to be like, okay, we're going to go into gameplay, which is beautifully shot. I don't mean to keep using the word beautifully, but that's what this game is. Yeah, it it really does get the cinematography near perfectly. I I also do like the fact that this is also kind of a way of showing, like, uh, it gives you a sample of what would Peter be like if he fully gave into the Venom symbiote if he wasn't fighting yeah. it during that fight with Miles. That's what he would have became, possibly. Yeah, it's like, honestly, I think this is a small taste because, again, you still have Peter's powers and abilities on top of that, and it's just, like, so scary to think about. That part where 
Spider-Man's facing off with Venom for the first time. And the camera pans down like, oh shit, I'm about to fight him. Norman comes running in to get the stop. And it feels like the game going like, nope, not yet. Not yet. And you you start as the player to be like, oh man, this sucks. But then Insomniac basically goes, don't worry, don't worry, player. We got something even better in mind. Camera turns <laughs> to Banjo. Oh, We're like, man. wait a minute. Why does it look like I'm about to play as Venom? Because you are. It's so fucking good. Oh. I love how it's just, you're destroying everything. Norman's trying to make excuse, like, oh, we can we can cover all this up. It'll be okay. You won't be in any trouble. Meanwhile, Venom is over here ripping people's heads off. <laughs> well, not ripping people's heads off, but very PG-13, biting people's heads off and taking bullets and just shooting them back at people. Like, oh man, it's so good. Oh man, I really also like. I really also like that. Um, throughout it all, you understand. Like in that section, I realized, oh, Norman's gonna become Green Goblin. Norman's one of my favorite characters in the game. Yeah, it's like, in the last game, you were made to, like, sort of hate him because you, you realized how sleazy he was. In this game, you empathize with him so much because he's lost so much. And he's like, his son is his last remaining family. It is the one thing he's been trying to protect. They pulled the William Defoe Green Goblin, but somehow... Like, they turn up the humanity factor to him. Whereas Norman in the first game, like you said, he's just, oh, he's the sleazeball. He's the politician who's lying to everybody, and he has the the whole devil's breast thing. I don't know if you saw, but there's actually a mural in the city that depicts Norman with the devil's breath, and he has horns. Yeah. And it's very goblin-like. Oh, it's... Good for- foreshadowing there. Yeah, so good foreshadowing. It's like, I honestly thought they weren't going to go the Goblin route just because it felt like this was going to be a different Norman, more of the just the business sleaze man Norman. And uh, this one, it's like, no, 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 you see the guy he is. It's like, yeah, he makes the wrong decisions. He's a dick, but just like a lot of people, I think what this game does well and why I think Miles Morales failed with Finn Mason, the tinker, I think with the Tinker is they were trying to depict a character who was messy, but meant well. But the character never really felt like the game never treated Finn like she was actually the villain. I think by the end. But this game, I think the way they treat Norman is no, he's an asshole. Like he's not a good guy. But there's also at the same time parts of it where you're like, damn, he's a good dad though, and he means like when he's talking with Peter. He just goes, thank you for being his friend. And I thought of, I think of you as a son. And it doesn't feel like just tacked on or just the, you know, getting Peter's. It feels genuine. Yeah, especially especially since you know the history with Peter and Harry and that they've been friends a long time. They are, they've been geeks together since at least high school and everything and it's like they watch out for each other even before peter got his spider powers he and harry were like we're together to the end it's like of course he'd see him as a son it's like yeah it's like he was one of the good parts of harry's life and even when like he pete didn't know that harry was in if even if he didn't know that harry was in uh when he was in europe 
quote unquote. Yeah, there. Europe when he was in Europe. That's what I was trying to say. It's like when he, <laughs> yeah, but he's still checking up on Harry, trying to make sure he's okay. It's like, hey, I haven't heard from you and everything. It's like Norman was intercepting all of those messages and everything, so he knows how much Peter cares about Harry. It's like that's so good. It's so good using the previous game and just building off of everything that they've done. It's so good. And you were talking about you didn't think they'd do the Goblin in that sense with Norman. I agree. And I know that they did teases in the first game. Like they show like prototypes for the glider and the helmet. And I think the Goblin bombs too. They're really good. Like, oh man, Norman could be the Goblin. But I think after the first game, everybody, or at least, I don't mean everybody, at least for me, I went, huh, so Harry's going to be Venom, and then Harry's going to be Green Goblin. And after this game, I go, oh, so Norman's definitely going to be Green Goblin. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's going to be Green Goblin. And, oh my god, him going to Otto and trying to get him on his side to like, hey, I need to know who Spider-Man is. Uh, like, I'm trying to, like, take him down. It's like, I, you, I know you probably want that. I like that Otto... He, it seems like you don't know if he does hate Pete or not, but it's like this, but it's like you can feel like it's probably like from both sides of him where it's like the part that respects Pete and everything is like, oh, I'm not going to give you his, I'm not going to give you Pete's secret identity. No way. But at the same time, it's like you could feel possibly like Otto's about to do something crazy. And for me, I feel like it's superior Spider-Man. I feel like Otto is going to try and switch minds with Pete. So... A few things here, now we're talking about Doc Ock. I love how when Peter was in the symbiote mode, especially the Craven fight, there's a shot to where he's just towering over Craven, and there's no way this was incidental. This had to be done on purpose. It looks a lot like Doc Ock. I know! It's like the tentacles and everything. It's like, yeah, no, 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 no. You guys did that on purpose. Yeah, there's so much in this game that is just... Man, Peter's not over Octavius turning on him. And you could really tell how much... And there's that scene, too, in the Miles Morales game to show how much Octavius really did mean to Peter. And that's not to say, like, it was bad running in the first game. It's one of the best parts of the first game is Peter yeah. and Octavius's relationship and how they really did feel they had that mentor-mentee thing going on and, like, they believed in each other. And then to see that at the end of the game, Doc going... Oh, I knew it was you the whole time. God, it's such a betrayal. It's such a fucking betrayal. And to see that <laughs> Peter's clearly not over it, and to see the end of this game to where is Ock defending Peter here? Is it because he wants to do his own thing? That final chapter? Is it the Superior Spider-Man? Is he going to use that on Peter? Is it going to be Miles? Who fucking knows? I think it's all of the above. I think he's <laughs> happy that Harry is in the condition he is and Norman's suffering. I don't think he wants Norman to know about Peter out of his love for Peter, but he also hates Peter at the same time. Yeah. It's like, cause like devil's breath in and, and stopping him and everything mm -hmm. and trying to fully ruin Norman and everything. It, it really does like, it really does like feel like the, everything that happened in the first game has a direct effect on game two on Spider-Man 2, and it's like, it's not only building off of it, but even though the story is so, is kind of removed from it, it's like, it still has this ultimate effect. You can't have this second game without the first one being there too. Yeah. 
And we're just talking about all the interpersonal stuff here with Peter, Miles, Doc Ock, Norman Osborn, Venom. Harry is a very good character in this game. I haven't really gotten to his deal. Oh, I was wait. I was waiting for the right moment because Harry. I have never been a big fan of Harry being Venom because they've done that a few times. This made me love Harry being Venom. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like we're really just scratching the surface. We're been recording for quite a bit, and I, I want to make sure we get through everything, and I don't want to leave anything out. So. I haven't. I haven't been talking about like the side characters and everything. It's like we haven't. That's what I'm saying. That. There's a lot to get into. Uh, with Harry, I love this character. The whole heal the world thing. I thought just hearing Tony Todd's voice is Venom. Just saying, heal the world. Oh God, I, I, that's why I didn't even try to do an impersonation of it because it's just, it's a disservice to how good this man is. There's a. There's also a part in the game with Venom, the whole you know taking over New York and it becomes a web of shadows remastered yeah <laughs> i say that in the best that's a compliment because web of the shadows is awesome but <laughs> at, uh, at that point i went tony todd has basically done venom and zoom in the same exact way zoom from the tv show the flash and there was very there's a lot of similarities between the two characters here down to ruling a city and destroying it. And I'm like, fucking Tony Todd can't get away from being typecasted here, can he? <laughs> yeah, I I really I really agree with you. And it also like gets it also like gets me like the fact that not only is it with the with uh the ruling a city and everything, but it's also like, oh, I was once on the hero side, but I'm not anymore. It's like I had my own art. Damn, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> Yeah, alternative goals that I was trying to accomplish. Son of a bitch, Drew. <laughs> you made it even better. But yeah, man, Harry... I, I'm sorry, I went into more Venom talk trying to talk about Harry. I I love how Harry is a lot of... He's just a geek, alright? Yeah. He's a lot like Peter. And there's a part in the flashback, which the flashback, Peter looks a lot like Tom Holland. I found that very funny. <laughs> but <laughs> to where is they're going up the steps, the go get the thumb drive. And Peter says something like, I can't believe Flash like pushed you into a locker or something like that. We can't let him get away with it. Harry just goes, Pete, I'm in the Glee Club. He's the star of the, Q- uh, star of the football team. He's going to get away with it. The way he <laughs> delivered that line made me instantly love him. I also love that we get to see like Harry has been selfless from day one. It's like he it's like he's not like so selfless where he's going to put himself in front of uh, being punched by Flash. But he's selfless enough to where, oh, uh, I'll just I'll distract them. It's like you go get the flash drive and everything. I'll have the risk of being caught. And it's like, oh, that is so good. That is like it really shows like Peter and Harry have each other's backs and everything. And And it also shows like. Gives you a great juxtaposition of how much is going to change when he gets his Venom, the Venom symbiote back. It's like, he's going to be angry. He's going to be desperate. It's, it's, it's such a good juxtaposition. Yeah. And Harry's, I don't know, I guess fall from grace. I think it makes a lot of sense because for a character that is clearly written and shown to be so good of a person. And genuinely, like it's not like an Octavius thing toward it. It's just, oh, there's something underneath that is pretty bad. 
there. Like there's darkness there. Not really for Harry. It's just it's the way that Pete acts towards him when he's in the symbiote. It's the yeah. way that he just gets sicker and sicker and he's trying so hard to find a way out to survive and he feels like the symbiote was that thing because there was nothing wrong when he had a symbiote. He was part of the Spider-Man team. I think there's a part where you're playing as, uh, you can be playing as Miles or Peter, and you could also come across Harry when he's in the Agent Venom suit. Oh, yeah. And there's one thing, it's like, what are we going to call you? I think Spider-Man will be fine. And it's so sad in retrospect. <laughs> it's so sad, because you're like, fuck, man, that's what could have been three Spider-Men right there. Honestly, I feel like they could still do it in Spider-Man 3. It's like, let Harry be Agent Venom. That would be that would be a really cool way of bringing him back. It's like, or just like, let him be like uh, a good goblin or everything. It's like, there's so many ways you could do it. I feel like Harry coming back could be like the ultimate like sign of showing Norman's corruption and everything in the third game. But that's like, that's speculation and everything. But I, I fully agree. It's like, God dang. Like, the small stuff you get with Miles and Harry, it's like, you can tell there's awkwardness with it. But it's like, they're both trying because they're both Peter's best friends at different points. Harry yeah. was the return. He's the super... And he was, like, just getting to be the superhero that... um to be with his best friend and everything. Another thing that he and Pete could bond over. And then Miles feels like he's being left behind. Then Harry loses the suit. Miles, in Harry's eyes, Miles is, like, coming back a bit... Yeah, now Harry's jealous of Miles. And again, it doesn't make Harry less of a person. It makes him human. Yeah. I also like the fact that um, they both try to bond over the fact that they've lost someone. With Harry, it was his mom. With Miles, it was his dad. And both inspire what they believe in. For Harry, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, I want to help people like my mom did. And for Miles, it's like, I want to be a hero like my dad was. It's like that is so that is so good of letting them connect because when like you have to fight Venom as Miles, and he and Miles is trying to convince Harry, it's like look, it's like look, man, we can we connected everything. I know like I don't know you that well, but I know but I know who you are, and Venom is not it. It's like I believe it. Yep. The reason why I'm glad that they didn't have you know that close of a bond is because exactly what you said, the end of the game. Mm -hmm. When you were talking about the end of the game, it was like, Miles, that was exactly what you said. Uh, I don't know you that well, but I know who you are. You are not this. Perfectly said, he didn't need to know Harry any better, and it leaves just enough on the bone to make the player go like, man, if they had more time to hang out, I think Harry and Miles could have been friends. Honestly, I feel like they would be the three. They would be the three amigos with Peter and Harry. They'd be the science bros, and with Miles, he'd be like the he be he'd be the music guy. Genki would be would be a part of this. Man, Genki, I love Genki in this game. Got to talk about him. But uh, but uh, I feel as though it's like slowly the spider, the uh, the spider friends or. Can we just go? I'm just gonna call it the Spider Society. The Spider Society of the Insomniac <laughs> Universe would have been so lit. And, and, and best part, best part about it would have been is like, in the end, this would have been the best Spider family ever. 
Yeah, it's just it leaves a lot of that like what could have been to the player, which is great. That's exactly what you wanted from this kind of story because it's a tragedy, really. Yeah. And Harry might come back. I think it's been talked about a Venom spinoff. I don't think that's going to be with Harry if they do a Venom spinoff. I think they're going to somehow put Eddie Brock in there. It's like there was a part at the beginning that I thought was an Eddie Brock tease. When Mary Jane was talking about, like, no, Jameson has his new hotshot reporter that he likes to go to. I thought so, too! Even though there was an Eddie Brock thing in the first game, to where he wished Peter luck in one of the, uh, you can find one of the backpacks in his farewell yeah. card to the Bugle. But you could wreck on that a bit. Yeah, it's honestly that it, it honestly it is pretty cool. I like the nod to the backpack as well as Peter finds one in the vents and yeah, everything. In the flashback, he's like, "I keep up with those." You did not. You, you did, did, not. did not. Luckily, you found them later, and luckily, no one figured out that you were Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. So we talked about Harry. We talked about Norman. Let's talk about Craven. Let me let me set the table for you. All right. Okay. So, we gotta talk about, when we're getting into Craven. we gotta talk about him killing the members of Sinister Six. Now, in the MJ missions, which I don't think we're gonna really get into, gameplay-wise, a lot better than the first game. I actually kinda enjoy playing as MJ. Story-wise, I know that she trained with Sable, but it still is hilarious how, like... <laughs> She can take down these professional hunters. It's yeah, like, like, oh. <laughs> well, MJ should be part of the fucking spider team going out there fighting crime if she can do this. Like, she's really hey, she can use a talent. web shooter now. I know, like, dude, send her out there, for real. I'm, I'm not even joking. I'm not being facetious. If this is really what she does, she needs to be out there, too. But besides the point, in her mission, whenever she's going to find Connors, you first find Vulture's wings and you discover that Craven has killed the Vulture. And it's shocking. You're like, wow, they just took Vulture off the port. Oh, that makes sense, though, because they got the Vulture bots. Later on, you could find Shocker's gear. Turns out, he also killed Shocker. Shocker gave him, I would say, probably the best fight from what Craven said, but he just didn't have the killer instinct to finish him. Which is weird, because Shocker seemed really murderous in the first game. I guess maybe he just didn't have that dog in him. Yeah, that's the thing. It just felt like he was backed into a corner. Shocker can do some damage. Other than that, eh, not that threatening at all. And then you get to Electro. Insomniac buries the fuck out of Electro. That's all I'm going to say. But Craven <laughs> does kill Electro, he says in a voice log. There is also, allegedly... I have not verified this. A deleted or uh, inaccessible part of Craven's mansion to where Rhino's head is on the wall. There is no confirmation that Rhino is dead. Rhino was not killed by the Tinker in Spider-Man Miles Morales, as far as I know, because Miles stops her. So I would assume Rhino's alive since it wasn't actually in the game proper. But still, even. With all that being said, Craven killed Vulture, Electro, and Shocker, which is pretty big deal. <laughs> Better than Gore the God Butcher. <laughs> that's honestly kind of sad that that's true. 
Oh, but yeah, you're right. And the sad part is, sad part is, Drew, I say that confidently, and it was also off screen in Spider Man 2. You don't see Craven kill any of these people, but at least you hear the voice logs and you see the gear and it just has that impact. You get none of that in Thor Love and Thunder. You're just like, oh, Gore killed a few gods that I don't fucking know about. Cool. All right, whatever. And you're technically wrong because Craven did kill Scorpion on screen. Oh, and Scorpion. I'm sorry. You're right. I, I forgot to add another one. He also, yeah, just absolutely yeah, yeah. murders Scorpion. And the yep. funny thing is, is Scorpion dies because of his, he's sadistic. He wants yep. to relish in the pain. I think he could actually get Craven if he just didn't, you know, take his time. He loves to play with his food. I honestly think he couldn't have done so. It's like when Craven not only took the stinger and tanked that, I'd be like, nah, there's no way. You think a stinger to the neck or the head is going to be able to be tanked by Craven? I don't think so. I think he was just like, I'm going to make this dude look like a bitch. Like, it seemed like he could take a lot. Like, Craven was giving Venom the giving them the, uh, the three-piece combo, man. It's like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't know. I feel like Craven could take it. It's like, when you're able to take not only hits from Spider-Man, but hits from symbiote-enhanced Spider-Man, and then taking so many hits from Venom, it's like, yeah, I'm not sure. I think he would have ate that. Either way, that is how basically, I don't want to say Craven's introduced, but that's what we learn about Craven within the first few missions of him being introduced proper there. And that's one hell of a way to do it. I'll tell you that. And not only that, he beats the shit out of Peter and Miles. Yeah, it, it, he, he's, it's like they really make you feel like he is a threat. I also like the side missions where you get to learn about him a bit more. I gotta say, good God. It's like, if we thought Norman was a terrible father, it's like Craven take, Craven not only took the trophy, he took the whole championship with him. See, I don't think Norman's a terrible father, though. Oh yeah, like, yeah, like yeah, he yeah he isn't a terrible father. He's he's a great father. It's like he's we, the opposite like... of Norman, actually. When you think about it, but the thing about Craven that I loved is, if you've watched the '90s Spider-Man cartoon, you get an adaptation of oh yeah, he starts out as the bad guy, but he kind of becomes a bit of an anti-hero. And throughout the course. And I think for a lot of people who grew up watching that cartoon, that's kind of what you think of Craven. Like, yeah, he's a bit of a dick. He goes after Spider-Man. And he might turn into a good guy. This one goes, he's a bit of a dick. He's not turning into a good guy. We're going to keep all the traits that you loved about Craven and making him a badass villain. And I loved it. Yeah. Although I would change that bit of a dick to, nah, he's a big dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He definitely is. And the only thing that I did not like about the character, and that's just because this is a video game, you gotta have henchmen. Not a big fan of the hunters being the ones to track down the villains and then taking them to Craven. And Craven just, it feels like he's kind of cheating. Yeah. In the fight with Scorpion. It's like, okay, you captured him. What was the plan? Like, you were just gonna set him loose in the wild? Yeah, it's like, I felt like before Pete got the symbiote, it's like they should have had him. At least one more um, thing with Craven of just Craven tracking down Spidey to just to cement this guy is like his hunters have all been trying to track down Spidey. He does it in one fell swoop. Yeah, that would have been really cool. That's my only complaint about Craven, for real. Like everything else about him, 
the, the way they explain how he's strong, how he's dying of cancer, and that's the reason he's doing this last hunt. And it keeps a bit of that anti-hero edge to him a bit, that you understand the motivation. Like, he's looking for that worthy opponent that can kill him. And there's something just, I think as the player, you're like, that's badass, that's awesome. And then he starts to kill people, and you're like, yep, that sucks. Can't really be rooting for you now, Craven. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it just, it really did feel like the 90s cartoon, but instead of going towards the hero route, Insomniac went, no, let's just lean into the other way. And I loved it for that reason. Yeah, it 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 really do, it really is like gives you a good idea of how Craven is, what he is about, and just like giving you that familiarity, but also like also making it so that way that familiarity is twisting a knife against you. And I also love how huge he is. Oh, dude, he's massive. <laughs> the fight with him and Venom too, and you're like, oh man. Venom is fucking massive because he's bigger than Craven. It's it's so it's so cra- it's so crazy, and I and it's just like it makes it makes him feel way more intimidating when he walks into a room. But I also like I also like uh, a friend of mine made this joke and everything. It's like no wonder he doesn't wear a shirt. Where's he gonna go? Big and tall, ran out of sizes. <laughs> I mean. Everybody says like the I, a lot of people like to make the joke with like Matthew McConaughey. I mean, if I look like Matthew McConaughey, I wouldn't wear a shirt either. Well, if I look like Craven, I definitely wouldn't. <laughs> I'd be walking around everywhere with like that vest that he's got. But yeah, yeah Craven was awesome. Just and yeah. let me ask you this, and then we'll move on to the other villains. How is Craven really in the comics? Is he more like the animated series? Is he more like how he's depicted here? Like, what's the usual? He's kind of like a mixture of both. He's more like okay. the insomnia, like the insomniac, but he is. But he does. The nineties did take some from of his personality and everything. Because Craven has this twisted sort of relationship with Spidey. Like initially, that was his. That was going to be his greatest hunt, and then he wanted to prove himself better than Spidey after losing to him so many times. And in Craven's last hunt. The way he speaks, it's like, you know how many people joke that Joker and Batman are kind of villain and hero in a relationship? Craven might actually believe that with him and Spidey. Like, there is a weird, okay. there's a weird way. He, there, like, it's not like, uh, it's not like where he's like, oh, he wants to, like, fuck with Spidey, like, or anything like that. It's it's more like he, it's more like he loves Spidey. Here's the thing, Drew. When the symbiote's taking over, and we get that awesome shot of him just peering down at Craven with all the tentacles and stuff, and it's probably the best shot of the game, if I'm being honest. Yeah. And he starts to choke Craven. Craven does ask him to choke him harder. Totally. That's all of this. He does do that. <laughs> I would, like, like okay. That is probably going to get made fun of a lot, like that line. But let's be real here. With Craven's character, 100% makes sense. But it's just really funny to hear you say that, and I just immediately thought of that line. <laughs> I totally <laughs> forgot about that part. That, uh, that, 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 he's more like his comic counterpart. 100%. Let's talk about some boss fights, all right? And to be a bit redundant, I want to start with Peter versus Miles. 
because this is something I actually called in the predictions episode Michael and I did a few weeks back. I thought it would be a thing, and Michael also, I think, called this as well. We kind of, like, brainstormed it together, I believe, where it was you play as Peter, and then you play as Miles. And they just went, no, you're going to play as Miles and go through this boss. That might be my favorite boss fight of the game because of the dialogue you get. Yeah. It is a really good boss fight, and it's so good story-wise. Uh, the, the, um, I heard, so, like, I heard some people, like, just didn't like that Miles beat him, but it's like, I keep, it's like, I think we talked about this on Nerds Talk Movies. We talked about it after Nerds Talk Movies. After Nerds Talk Movies. Okay, yeah. The whole point is that Peter is fighting the symbiote at this time because he doesn't want to hurt Miles. That's why he's, Peter isn't Venom at this point, or doesn't look closer to Venom or anything. It's like, the whole point is, like, they are trying... Is like um, Miles doesn't beat Peter at his best. He beats just like the symbiote-controlled um, version of him that's trying to use Peter's insecurities to wear down Miles. It's like it, it, it's like it does, and honestly, it doesn't matter who is stronger or not. They both have specialities that make them good Spider-Man. Yeah, and the thing is, is it, it let for me it was more of I just let the story play out, and I thought it made a lot of sense for the story. For Miles, where he's at, that I think he's a bit holding back. I think Peter's a bit holding back. And the symbiote's just like, no, nah, we're going, you're in my way. And that's kind of how Peter's also feeling. Because the thing is, is it's a lot of the feelings you actually have deep down inside coming to the surface. We saw this with MJ and Scream, which we will be talking about. <laughs> but Oh, man, we need to speed it up. I know, I'm I'm sorry. But it's just, I, I love the dialogue between Miles and Peter here because it's that thing like we've been talking about, right? It's to be greater together. Peter just being like, there's so much on his plate that in his twisted mind at the time, he's going, I need this. And Miles is like, no, you don't. Like, you were fine just the way you are. I'm not doing a great job selling the dialogue in this fight. Like, it's easily my favorite of the game, I think, dialogue-wise, during the boss fights, which... That's probably the best part of the game to me, other than the web wings, is yeah. having the story dialogue within the boss battles, having the stages of the boss battles. It feels so cinematic. Yeah, it de- it definitely does feel like that, and I and I do love a lot of the boss fights. Uh, want to transfer it over because after talking about how good the Miles versus Peter fight is, I want to talk about my favorite boss fight and ironically it is like the it is technically the first boss fight because sandman boss fight was so good what a opening what a way of starting out the game best way to start the game i loved how miles got to be the awkward guy <laughs> in the beginning of the game and it kind of felt like peter was like damn that's how i've been for like the past eight years that was really awkward. All right. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Oh, this is embarrassing. Uh, and then they both go off to go fight Sandman. Dude, Sandman fights so good. It feels exactly what I said earlier, right? It's cinematic. Yeah. It's what Sony does so well. And this isn't to be like, oh, Xbox sucks, Nintendo's. Uh, we've said this on the podcast plenty of times, Michael and I. Love all the brands. All right. I want all these brands to do well. 
I've praised Xbox a lot. Love Starfield. But Sony, what they do so well above everybody else, in my opinion, is cinematic gaming. And this game, and it starts out with the Sandman fight, you just feel like you were just put into a Spider-Man movie. And you're playing it. Yeah, it, and it's and it's also like really cool because you see because not only do you see like Sandman create his little sand clones and everything, it's also like it's also like you get this is like showing you and showing a lot of people this is Sandman like when he's not holding back because Sandman can be super dangerous. The only reason he never is is that he just wants to rob banks. He just wants to get some money. He doesn't have children in the comics, but he does try to be a better person in the comics. So it's like, but this is Sandman at, at like what he could be in the comics, what they've always alluded to. And to go back to the Peter, like how did Peter defeat these villains thing here? All the villains that he fights, Lizard is pretty much steroid up. Sandman is steroided up. Like he says that in one of the crystals he finds. The story with Sandman, by the way, very heartbreaking. Great. I'm glad that was a little side mission you could do throughout the game is learn about his story and you get Yeah. There's one other side mission I want to talk about how heartbreaking it was, but that's really I know which one you're you're talking about the Howard one. I know you are God, Yeah, so like, Alright. Uh but yeah, Sandman fight was awesome. And the that's why I was saying though, is Sandman steroided up. Peter never fought this version of Sandman. So yeah, it's not a one Spider-Man job here. This was definitely, you needed multiple superheroes. Um, to move on to another one, want to kind of, there's a lot of boss fights here, so we're going to try to get through a lot of the main ones. Talk about Scream. Let's get this one out of the way. Scream was a really good boss fight. I think just like the Peter Miles one, the dialogue really sells it. It got a little annoying that I was like, all right, we're on like the fourth stage of me doing the same thing over and over. But the yeah. dialogue really helped it there, and I loved how, just like Peter, it was MJ letting out stuff that she doesn't fully mean, but it's something that, like, deep down inside, she has kind of wanted to say to Peter, but they're in a great place, she loves Peter, it just, it feels like they're letting Peter grow up, and they're letting MJ grow up too, <laughs> and it's awesome <laughs> in this game. The fact that you say that, the fact that you say that, because I ju- I just was talking with a friend, saying how it feels like comic Spider Man will never grow up. That's what I was gonna get to. I feel like the comics are never gonna do that for you guys, and the movies. I love Tom Holland Spider Man, but he's just now getting into college age, and well, the comic college era for him, and who knows what happens after he gets out of that college era? They might do a reboot, might turn the Miles, who knows? So it feels like this is going to be the best shot we get at like a older Peter. You know he's only like 24 <laughs> or yeah. 23. But it still feels like the older Peter. So I, I love that fight for that reason. Yeah, the potentially going to get uh, Mayday Parker as a daughter, Peter. God, that'd be awesome. And that's how the third game starts. He's a dad. and ah, That'd be great. But either way, the screen boss battle, it was a huge shock. I'll say that. Between that and the anti-venom suit. Oh, the anti-venom suit. It's beautiful. It's great. Miles' last suit. It's a walking advertisement for Adidas. Insomniac, what the <laughs> fuck were you thinking? 
there's also the, there's also the thing where he says it's like oh it's time for a Miles Morales original. It's like you designed your last suit. <laughs> Did you guys forget that? No, 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 no. I'm not gonna let you get away with this. That suit was designed by Miles and Genki. So I think we now know who is the creative mind here who's putting together the awesome suit. It ain't Miles, it's Genki. We need to be asking him. By the way, since we're talking about suits, what is before we get to our last boss fight, let's just get this out of the way. What is your go-to suit for each character and why? Amazing Spider-Man 2 suit for Peter. One of the best suits ever to me. <laughs> I really love the suit styles in this game. Oh yeah. And the suit the advanced suit 2.0 for Peter is really good. And I love the one with the black and red too. And with Miles, I'm gonna be this might be a hot take. I wasn't in love with Miles' suits in this game. I really Really? I thought he had a lot of like, okay, that's it's a little bit different, but it just doesn't feel like it's I never got the feeling like Miles got a suit like Peter did in the first game with the white emblem or the anti-ox suit. I never got that feeling with Miles. And even like the first suit he gets in this game, that's the one I love the most. I thought it looks great. The track <laughs> suit's pretty cool. The suit style with the black and red on the track suit. And of course the bodega cat. Yeah. Okay, I was so mad that they took away the animations from the Bodega Cat. It's like, that was one of the best parts of, of Spider-Man Miles Morales. How could you take that away? Have you seen some of the cutscenes, though? Have you played through the game with that suit? The cat's just chilling there. Yeah, <laughs> just chilling awesome. in the backpack. But what about you? What, so far on the subject of suits, what's your go-to? So, um, initially for Peter, I originally was a fan of his Secret War Civil War suit. Uh, but by the, but after I got my favorite suit, it's like it took over. I like his, uh, his last hunt suit, the one that makes it, gives him the craven fur. I'm super fan of that, specifically in its, uh, either its original variant or its white variant. It's like both of them are pretty cool. But I like the design of the suits. I like how it feels like. Uh, I like how it feels like P- Spidey is getting a bit of that craven flair to it. I love how tactical it is. It's just. It's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah, I actually do like the craven last hunt suit that you can get. Miles also can get. I think it's a Wolverine suit and a uh, Black Panther suit. Yeah, those are like call. Those are callbacks to this thing called What If Miles Morales, where he was. As certain characters. Oh, that's why. Okay, that you just made so much make sense in my head because I remember there being like a Miles Morales as Captain America, and I was just like, "That's weird." I wonder what Marvel's doing over there. They they were running out of ideas to use with him and Spider Gwen, but wanted to keep up their popularity. Yeah. So yeah. it was just him. What if he was these heroes instead? Yep. Kind of feels. Both creatively bankrupt and creative at the same time. <laughs> it kind of it kind of is. Okay. Um. So yeah, for my Miles suit, um, uh, my current my current favorite is the Miles Morales twenty twenty the original design. Like especially when you're like you're first playing the uh the Mysterio stuff and you have to play DJ Miles, it's like 
it fits so well. Yeah, it does fit Miles' character. Yeah, I also like the end suit, but I feel like that's too militaristic for Miles, so that's why I chose uh, the 2020 suit. Which, that's kind of what the end storyline is, right? Not to fully get into that, it's more of, like, apocalyptic, I think, for the Spider-Man. Yeah, uh, the end is, like, pretty much the apocalypse, so yeah, it fits. Yeah. But, how do you feel about the anti-Venom suit? Because I know it's going to get caught up in the rest of our show here. It's like, I like it. I really wish that with all the different design changes that they do with the original Venom suit, I could choose that one. Because they take it away, man. They take it away. I hope DLC brings brings back the choice because I like the final design of the black suit. But the Anti-Venom one, it's, it's cool. It's not as cool as Anti-Venom Eddie Brock because it's not, it can't be as edgy. But it's, it's cool. It's okay. So, my theory on... I, I agree with you. I think the anti-Venom suit looks really cool. I think it's a it's way better than Miles' last suit, I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> that's I, I can't tell you... I, I, there's no way Insomniac sticks to that suit. He's going to be back in the OG red and black very quickly. I would be surprised if by DLC 1, he's not back in it. <laughs> or whatever they do next. To be like, yeah, let's just uh, let's forget that happened. To Insomniac's credit, they've been really good about suits. Not really happy about them doing just a walking advertisement, pretty much, period, for yeah. Miles' last suit. That was supposed to be awesome, but instead just felt like, wait a minute, what were you thinking here? But at the same time, you're not going to bet a thousand, so I'll give you some leeway, Insomniac. But the anti-Venom suit, I thought it looked good. My theory is that in Spider-Man 3, you're going to get an advanced suit 3.0 with a white emblem. The white emblem is going to be the anti or anti venom suit. Basically, it's going to be the symbiote moving around just a little bit. Yeah, that would be that would be so cool to see. Like Peter keep his classic colors and then enhance on the white. By the way, if that was a per, if that was a choice they did to incorporate anti venom for the long game, that is so freaking amazing in planning and everything. If it's not, you're incredibly lucky in <laughs> and you took advantage of it because it's sitting right there. Because I can't imagine the white and black, yeah, it looks cool for a game, but I can't imagine it sticking around. But I am, I do think he's going to keep the powers because the thing is, as much as I love Peter, Miles' powers are cool. And you're like, okay, is there you stick with the spotter legs or you go with Miles' electricity powers? The symbiote at least gives you a little bit of leeway into Peter. Is that the play yeah. style you like? So it gives you the variety of like both of them have some really cool abilities that aren't just the typical Spider-Man stuff. So I think it's going to stick around. Yeah, I don't think he lost it and everything. I know like they did a good, they did a lot with making it look like Peter might not have the suit right now in the ending. <laughs> but it's like I think they just did it so that way it can be up in the air. For um, Spider-Man 3, depending on what they go with. But it's like, yeah, for Peter's playstyle, he's definitely going to want to keep that um, symbiote suit. If not, they're going to have to go fully into him be having his gadgets and everything. I know people don't like Spidey with gadgets because it feels kind of like Iron Man. But Spidey has been having gadgets since the literal his literal creation. He made his web shooters and everything. Not only that, but I think the next game is going to be the last one. At least for... 
Peter's story, probably, or at least this current. You might get more Miles stories or something down the line. But it does feel like we're at the end of an arc because of what uh, Octavia says is the final chapter. Yeah, and yeah. also, also, I'm not entirely sure what they're going to do for the third game because cause, like, it feels like they set up a lot. Like, if the, with the side story, you've got the Spider-Bots, which set up the Spider-Verse to potentially be something that um they delve into and then there's the green gob the green goblin stuff i know that's gonna be in there that's the thing i feel like is gonna be in there but it's like i'm just not sure where they're gonna take it all it's like that's the thing in this third chapter i'm not sure what's gonna be the ending to peter's story goblin's gonna be the main villain we didn't talk about this but have you done the flame missions yes we know Carnage is confirmed. If you played, I don't know if you, like, did you play it during the story or in, like, after? I played it during the story. Like, I knew <sighs> right from the, I knew right from the start that it was Carnage because it matches one of his storylines in the comics. Uh, see, I had no idea and I played it after the story because I waited on some side quests. So it felt like the perfect epilogue mission. Whereas you help out Wraith, Wraith saves you. At the end, and then, like, the whole time I was like, what's the deal with this guy? Like, they're not giving him a name. Then Insomniac really just created a villain, and they're just trying to push this guy. It's like, hey, here's our original villain. I never really put two and two together about Carnage. Because I did see the whole thing about, like, oh, Venom might get a spinoff. I was like, ah, there's, there's Carnage right there. That's what they're going to do. Maybe they do it for a third game or a fourth game or something. And then we get the credits and the whole final chapter stuff. And I'm like, well, I guess it's just going to be a third game. Then I play that mission. And he says there's going to be like total carnage or something like that. And turns red. And it's like, oh, fuck, it's going to be awesome. No way that's in the third game. He's definitely DLC. He's, I would bet a lot that it's going to be DLC. Possibly. That's like a lot to deal with. <laughs> For the well, third game. You're asking a lot to be like, hey, are players, you're already asking players probably to be in for Peter having the symbiote powers in the next game. But I think it's another thing entirely to be like, oh, yeah, we had Venom in part two. In part three, we're just going to do Carnage. Yeah, that that's, that's true. <laughs> you're basically repeating, and I don't think they'll want to do that, especially since I think that there's been a little bit of criticism to be like, Oh, so Devil's Breath stuff, and then the city gets taken over. Then in the second game, the symbiotes take over. I wonder what's going to happen in part three. The goblins are going to take over. Yeah, it's like, if they, if they do have the cities in turmoil thing, it's probably like Norman's like just crashing the city to the ground just to get to Spider-Man because he doesn't know it's Pete. Yeah, probably. I doubt they're going to do the whole city in turmoil thing again. But either way, so you got Goblin, you got Carnage. Carnage, maybe DLC. Spider-Verse stuff, I think that's just the tie-in with the movies, basically. It'd basically be like a nod to that. I don't think they're going to do Spider-Verse. You got Cindy Moon, I think is her name? Yeah, I am not excited. It's like, Cindy is like my least favorite of the Spider-People. It's like, it's it's no offense, it's no offense to her. It's just like, she's more of a plot device for the original Spider-Verse than being her own character. I really was like hoping, like when they said when he said daughter and everything, I was like, oh, maybe it's Anya. Uh, for those of you who don't know, there is another Spider character. Her, she, she has a kind of a different set of powers, 
But Anya is another um, Spider Woman, and she is pretty good. And I didn't want Spider Gwen because I feel like she's being played. Uh, but her name, but uh, she's being overplayed. But Anya Cor, I think it's Corazon is how Corazon. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. But Anya is a really cool spider person. She's the spider girl of the 616 universe. And she has different powers and everything. She has an armored exoskeleton. She has a spider yo-yo, which she uses to get around until she gets um, wedge shooters. It, she's really cool. Like, she's really, really cool. And she's had a bunch of different suits. One of them being the inverse, uh, being like a look of the Black Venom suit. And it's like... It it looks cool. It's not actually a black venom suit, but it is like a like it is it does look like it. It's pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, you do get the Sunday Moon stuff. You got to figure that she's gonna get involved with because you're not gonna tease that and do absolutely nothing with it. I assume she probably gets powers of some sort. She probably already has them because in lore, Cindy is supposed to like be the other person got bit by Peter Spider. Hmm. So that's entirely possible. That that's what's going to end up happening there. And I, mean, I just, I thought it was going to be a thing to where Rio was dating a Spider-Man villain that we don't know yet. And I was like, man, they've already done a lot. Like, who can it be? It would kind of be ironically funny there for it to be like, oh man, he's this great guy. And then the audience goes like, no, he's not. <laughs> he is not a great guy. It would, I didn't think it was going to be like Cletus Cassidy or anything, but thought it would be like somebody of a villain variety see see before we got before i found out the information of of craven's disease and everything i initially thought like oh it's gonna be like one of craven's uh hunters or everything or maybe it's gonna be like that shield mirror that was brought up in that one mission and everything and i was like I was like, oh, she's going to be involved. She's going to accidentally be dating one of the hunters and not know it. So glad I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I kind of sound like I'm disappointed. I'm not disappointed. It's just that I don't have the context that comic readers do. So I'm just like, all right, cool. I'm down to say whatever it is. It's kind of like when I didn't know much about Miles and then Into the Spider-Verse was coming out. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's see what it is. I, I can't really. <laughs> I'm not going to be faking excitement. But you got those storylines. I mean, who knows what else they do? They've killed a lot off a lot of Peter's rogues, but I don't really have an issue with that, considering they seem to be tying up some loose ends. And Spider-Man has such a massive fucking rogues gallery that there's still people we haven't gotten to. And they've also reformed some. Tombstone, reformed. Sandman, reformed. Lizard, reformed. Uh, Mysterio, reformed. Like, am I missing one? I feel like I am. Prowler. Yeah, Prowler reformed, but that, but uh, honestly, I really want to see what they would do with lesser known villains. There's also yeah. again still Carnage because because like I do agree, like I feel like it would be DLC. The thing is though, is that a very very popular Spider-Man event had the Goblin, Green Goblin, Red and Goblin. Car- yeah, Red Goblin. I've that is Carnage that and yeah, that is Carnage and uh, Green Goblin working together so it's like to go for the end of peter's story that could be the high note to go off but it's like i hope i hope it doesn't happen because i do i do like them being separate and i don't want us to just get cletus getting a symbiote just for it to be like the build up to norman's ultimate power 
Shit, Drew, actually, you know what? I'm going to sound like an idiot because I said I'd bet a lot, but I think you're right. Because here's the thing. There's a wild card in the story still, and that's Harry. And I initially thought Harry might go down the rabbit hole of being, like, the Hobgoblin or New Goblin, whatever it is. But, like, you know, take the G-Serum. Maybe they do the thing where he becomes, like, the actual goblin demon kind of looking one. And Norman's the regular, you know, usual, typical goblin. But after you said that, I went, you know, it makes so much sense because if the symbiote's still out there, the Venom symbiote. Well, no, it, it, it evaporated right in front of us. It did, but I do not think Venom's dead. See, I don't like that then. I, I know, I'm just saying, I don't think Venom's dead for good. I, I don't know in what way they're going to bring him back. I just think he's going to come back. See, my initial, see, my thought with Harry was that since Pete has the anti-Venom symbiote, it's like maybe he find a way to get it off of himself and put it on Harry, and it cures Harry. That's his new suit. And Harry becomes anti-Venom. Oh, no, I just thought of another reformed villain, Martin Lee, who is one of my favorite characters in this game. <laughs> he's awesome. Honestly, I, I completely forgot about him, in all honesty. I think he's just okay. Like, I get, I, like, I get his reformation. I like his story when compared to Miles. I think on his own, though, it's like, we didn't really get your redemption everything. It's like, at least with Mysterio, I can infer to it dude, through all those um, audio logs and everything. With Martins, mostly completely off screen. The reason I loved his story so much is because it did kind of feel like in the first game, it was that balance. I, I, the theme of balance is something I love about this game. Uh, to talk about the story a little bit more. And the Aunt May flashback, one of my favorite scenes in the whole game. And I think you see that with Martin Lee throughout the course of the two games. How he's so selfless. And then you see the other side of him. And how like relentlessly evil he could be. And this tunnel vision, I have to get my revenge. I don't care who I hurt. And now that he's been arrested and Spider-Man saved him from getting killed in the first game, you're seeing, like, oh, he's finally coming to a senses of what he's done. And, like, the tunnel vision's gone, you know? Yeah. The balance is finally there for him. And the performance, I don't have the actor's name. I think he gives one of the best performances in the game. I think Gary Lowenthal, though, does take the cake. But I think Martin Lee's actor does a great job. And not only that, just the way he interacts with Miles after learning what he's done to Miles. And that, like, I can never be forgiven. I understand. But I'm going to try to make it right. And I love how the game never fully tells you that he knows about Peter being Spider-Man. But he definitely knows Peter's Spider-Man. He sends the goons after him in the first game. <laughs> Like, uh, he didn't, he didn't send goons after them. Like he didn't know about Peter being Spider Spider-Man. He figured it, he figured it out in this game. That was in like the cutscene and everything. But, uh, uh yeah. yeah, but, uh, but it's like, he could, he could have figured it out. It's just, I think, I think Martin just thought that Peter was like nosy because he knew about MJ and MJ was Peter's ex who was a, um, who was a reporter and everything. So that's why I thought he was not snooping around. Either way, they don't really dive into that relationship as much. And I love it because that wouldn't really make sense for the characters. Like, Martin and Peter weren't that close. It was Aunt May 
and Martin Lee, who are pretty close. Yeah. And Peter to have that betrayal, like, hey, my aunt trusted you. And again, it's that Martin Lee thing of him coming out of the fog and like, oh man, what have I done? Like this woman who I loved and she was doing so much good and I've trusted her with what I created, which he says in the first game is the best thing he's ever created was Feast. And he trusted her with it. And he killed her, basically. Yep. Because of what he's done. Like, I loved his arc in this because it did feel like I'm not going to just point it out and be like, I'm a good guy now. Actions speak but louder than words, basically, was his entire arc. Yeah. But, the real quick, this has been a long episode. I appreciate you for coming on, Drew, and talking Spider-Man with me. But I feel like we're missing out on, I think, one villain left that we didn't talk about. The lizard. That we can close up. It's the lizard. What a villain to close out on, though. Lizard, I think, is really good. I love how, like, the Lizard has already happened. Connors has been living alone and everything. He is not, it's like he's trying to do his best to do good. It kind of feels like Connor is a dark mirror of Peter, in a way. It's just... It's just like instead of Peter getting his powers through his own experiments and everything, uh, Peter's got his by accident. But Connors is a good dark version of what Peter could have been with his powers. It's like just trying to get so much of what he wants that he forgets like responsibility and everything. At least with Connors' origin and everything. Now we've got Connors who doesn't want to be Lizard again being forced to by Craven, And it is so good to make Peter first uh, rightly angry with Craven. I really love your comparison of Peter and Connors because it does kind of feel like that to me. That that could have been Peter, but Peter decides also to give up being Spider-Man for at least a little bit and focus on his life and not give in to stuff like the symbiote. So I don't feel like it's a perfect comparison, but I get where you're going with it, you know? Yeah, I understand. Like, it's, like it wasn't going to be perfect. Like, I, it was more like in the sense, like, how Batman's villains are a dark reflection of him. Like, Penguin is the dark reflection yeah. of wealth and everything. And uh, Mr. Freeze is a dark reflection of Batman's cold exterior. Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah, man. I, I agree with you. Like, Lizard was a great character. I love his story. I love how he actually lost his arm because of the symbiote. I didn't expect that actually to be a part of the game. <laughs> Love how Lizard, that was already a thing. We knew that from the first game. We didn't have to be basically like, hey, remember this? Remember this? It's just something like, hey, you went to go find those backpacks. You know Mysterio's a thing. You know Lizard's a thing. Like, we don't have to get into it. And I love the boss battle. It's a steroided up Lizard. He almost turns into a freaking kaiju by the end of it, how massive he is. It does feel like in that boss battle that it, like, while while it does feel like you are trying to fight basically a hulk it does feel like you're in control of the fight more than often and that you are close to killing this guy a lot of times yeah it doesn't feel like a villain versus hero fight it feels like you're hunting down an animal you are the hunter not craven you have become craven yeah which craven just comes in and tries to steal the kill pretty fucked up he just comes in and is like you know what cheating i'm gonna go ahead and shoot this guy with a crossbow for me, it felt like, oh, you're not going to kill him? Well, I got this. Yeah. It's like you said, it's like you feel like that you're a hunter. It it does feel very dark and everything. And you and throughout the entire chase, 
with the lizard, you you can see how Peter is starting to succumb to the symbiote and everything. How he how it's just the little things that are starting to pile up and bother him a lot. And it's also his desperation of wanting to save Harry because even though he wants to keep the symbiote, he wants to save Harry. That is his main goal throughout all this. Also, the also the lizard being like this hulking hulking dinosaur is like oh it's so good when it comes through the museum too yeah and it's like it's like he breaks through the t-rex thing and pete has to save that by the way nice save by pete yeah but we've been talking long enough i hope we talked about most of the major points this is as short as the game is it's a lot all right yeah it's like it's densely packed perfectly said um but let's take a little bit from Nerdstop Movies, which if you don't listen to Nerdstop Movies, you definitely should. It's a great movie and TV retrospective podcast. But at the end of each show, we talk about our favorite and least favorite moments alongside our final thoughts. So, Drew, give us your favorite moments, your least favorite moments, alongside your final thoughts. Uh, gonna go with my only two least favorite moments. Uh, first least favorite moment is Harry overhearing what Norman and Peter are saying and misinterpreting it. I, I'm not a huge fan of listening in on partial conversation and believing you got the gist. And then it, it's all huge misunderstanding. I just don't like, I just don't like that. It's, that is like my only real big miss with the game, if I'm being honest. Like... As a, as a story and everything, like, I get why they did it. It's still, like, just one of those things that I don't, um, that I'm not a huge fan of. But still, like, it's still pretty good. And I like the, the similarities that they have between Norman and Harry with it. So, like I said, least favorite, but I understand why it's there. My other least favorite moment is technically gameplay. Because there was, not once, but twice... Where bugs got me in this game. <laughs> the only two times I actually died. The first time being when I could not hit uh, the flames on a tanker during a side mission. During one of the uh, missions and everything. And it's like, I'm shooting it. I'm doing the aim mode. I'm shooting. I'm hitting the flames. Why are you not going out? Oh no, it explodes. I die. The other bug I had was when I was swinging and I, I and I went through the ground and I couldn't get back up. It's like there are a few bugs in this game. I hope like I I literally today before this podcast I saw on my PlayStation that they just updated the game. I hope that that was a bug update. Although I already hundred percent of the game, so it's gonna be a while before I tackle the ultimate difficulty. Yeah, you saying like you only died a few times, I'm not going to lie to you, it kind of aggravates me. Because I did play the game on a harder difficulty. And especially during the boss fight. That's something I appreciate about the game. Is it felt appropriately difficult. It didn't feel like I got screwed. Yeah, I think Spectacular is the the one just below Ultimate. And you don't get Ultimate until you beat the game. But that was what I played yeah. on. Spectacular. I played on Spectacular. So you went... Okay. So Drew's just better at video games than me. Alright, so let's just continue. <laughs> I didn't say that! I didn't say that! No, it's okay. It's okay. Just please continue. <laughs> if, it, if it helps, I, d I died... Um, I died in the tutorial with Sandman when I accident when I didn't realize the uh, 
the spider sense, I couldn't see it. I, I died plenty of times facing off against Venom, and I think I died once during the Peter Miles showdown, and then would scream. I'd, a lot of times it was due to bosses. I think I died once in Natural Free Roam. Well, at least it's due yeah. to bosses. Uh, but yeah, um, so favorite moments, and this one's actually a bittersweet moment with a side mission. Is it being better than me at video games? No, that's that. That's your own bittersweet moment. I'm talking about Howie. My God, Howard and his pigeons, and just that um, that side mission and everything. And I got and I got that side mission. Like I think I had it beforehand, but I discovered it right after I got the Venom symbiote, and I felt like that was like narratively that was a perfect bittersweet moment. To like show how to like start Pete's emotional roller coaster, just like how Howard's life has been, how he's had a good life, but he was also unfair to him, and it's kind of and like how Peter's life has kind of been similar of how being Spider Man, he's done good, but it's, life has been kind of unfair to him, but also just like the death of this guy who is just a guy who, who just knows that spite um Spidey is a good man and like just letting the pigeons go to someplace safe when he knows he's dying. It, it's just so emotional. It's something that makes Spider-Man special. Mm-hmm. And my favorite, and my other favorite, um, my other favorite moment was also Mysterio because that whole moment of doubt you have while you're playing through his stuff, like, Oh, this is uh Oh, this is just Quentin and him doing his thing and everything. And then you find out, nope, it was the people who you thought were just his business partners and everything. It's like they were trying to use him. It's like, dang, it's like you you feel for a guy trying to be better and everything and just not getting that second and just not getting people believing him and everything. It's so good. Going on to my final favorite moment, it's the Mind Palace with Peter. Yep. Like I have a lot of other favorite moments, but I think the mind palace with Peter is my favorite because at the end of the at the end of the day, it's like you see you see all the stuff that Venom attached to to turn Peter and everything and the re and the reason. Uh, it's like they it's like it fully cements. It's not just Venom like bringing out his his darker impulses. Like Peter's had all this stuff inside of himself, and he wonders: Does he make the right call? Should he just kill? There are so many. Um, places in it and also like just when you go into it peter sees the prison as also a problem everything is not it's like not every problem can be um solved by throwing people in jail it's like god that is peter to a t i love it yeah to kind of piggyback off of what you were saying there i think that's one of my favorite moments of the game too because it kind of slows down just a bit to really give the insight exactly what you're saying, how Peter got taken over by the symbiote and to show like not as awesome as Peter is and how much people love the character of Spider-Man. Here's the toll it takes. It's pretty massive and it's a lot for one person to take on. And again, it goes back to what we said at the top of us talking spoilers. It's what I love so much about the story is because it's not telling you. And again, if you got the, if you got out of this and you're like, nah, Miles was, overpowered compared to Peter or the other way around. Like that's the way you interpret it. Cool. 
the way I interpreted it was the game was trying to be like, Peter is not better than Miles. Miles is not better than Peter. They are greater together. That is the entire point of this story. And I think that's the whole point of you seeing Miles go through Peter's mind palace with Martin Lee. And then you get to the part with him over Aunt May's body, and it's just, ah, it brings you right back to the ending of the first games where you're like, shit, that is where he has been for months. And he's been masking it for months because he cannot process what happened. And you, the game tells you that at the beginning of the game, Drew. It, when you mm-hmm. go to Aunt May's house, it tells you Peter has not moved on in the slightest. It's like he still has everything the same way May had it. The mo- the most that he- the most that he's done is just clean up every now and then. But he's like he's it's like he's losing it on the inside. He he can't, he cannot process it. He's lost another fam another family member, and he's, he's losing Harry again. He doesn't know what to do. He's losing MJ. He thinks he could lose MJ at any point in time. He thinks he could lose Miles at any point. Like I. It's so good, man. And again, it goes back to the tagline. And what I think Miles... And the, I think the reason why people go to Peter was pretty depowered in this game is because Miles goes through his arc before Peter. And he yeah. completes his story before Peter. But he had to because you had to have one help the other up. So then, you know, they could actually elevate themselves. Like... One of them had to complete their story first. It just had so happened to be Miles, because I'm just gonna be honest with you, Miles' story was a little bit simpler. Yeah, it's like Miles's was a simple revenge, simple revenge story. Yeah. It's a revenge story and jealousy of, hey, my best friend now is hanging out with other people. I'm just trying to be a better Spider-Man, and he's starting to take responsibilities. And Peter's is wrapped up in so much that the audience knows about because. Just calling a spade a spade. Peter's been around for a long time as a character compared to Miles. So the audience most likely can attach themselves to Peter a lot quicker, you know? And can get like, oh, so Peter has this history and we are already attached. So Peter's is a little more complicated than Miles. And that's all right, you know? So that's all to say, like, yeah, that Mime Palace is another scene that I think really ties together the theme of this game. Which is, one Spider-Man's down, the other one's going to pick him up. When Miles is down, Peter's going to pick him up. And we see that at the beginning of the game. Where Peter puts his hand on Miles' shoulder, being like, Hey man, I got you. Like, if you don't want to be here, you don't have to be here. I feel like I stole your thunder there, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, like, I, like I was about to yell, these guys are so good! I love this family. I love the Spider family. The rat does show up. Uh, I'm not. We kind of talked about all my favorite moments. My don't really have any least favorite moments. My only least favorite moment really is that it's about two hours too short. Wanted a little more venom. Um, this is a game of the year worthy title, but this has been long enough of a show. Let's get out of here, man. What are you working on? Where can people find you? Like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say you guys can find me in the link tree because I'm tired right now. I had fun, but yeah. it's like just look at my my link trees in the description. In the description, follow me on the socials, yada yada yada. You got it. You know who I am. Well, you will. Yeah, I didn't imagine this episode going this long. It just so happened to be that way because I could. There was a lot to talk about. (laughs) And yeah, there's a lot to talk about. 
But as for me, you can find me in our Discord, the link for which it's in, in the description of this episode. Chat with us about Marvel Spider-Man 2. What were your thoughts on it? What do you want to see for Spider-Man 3? All that stuff and more. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to hear more from Drew, check out Longbox Hunters. It's a comic podcast where him and Tristan Benz talk about all sorts of comic runs, what aged well, what aged poorly, why they loved these arcs, or why they didn't really care for them. It's a fantastic podcast. I really enjoy hearing them every single time I edit one of the newer episodes. Even as somebody who does not read comics, it's great to hear the perspective of people who read them, I would say religiously, and love them the way they do. Ah, thanks, man. We have a fan. (laughs) You do. You got at least one fan. Also, check out Nerd Stop Movies. It's where Trist or where Drew, Tristan, and I all do retrospectives and spoiler talks and movies and TV shows. I promise you, they're not always this long of an episode, um, but they're a great time. Check them out if you got the chance. I want to thank Drew for joining me. I want to thank anyone for listening in. I don't know how you got this far, but damn, we appreciate it. Because we're awesome, man. Uh, Because we're awesome. Back next week with a brand new episode of Power Up and Game.